You're listening to Uncharted 20s with co-hosts Maya and Sarah. Hi, welcome back to the third episode of Uncharted 20s. I'm Maya. And I'm Sarah. And on this episode, we are talking about an event that shook up our world this year coronavirus. We interview a wide range of people our age who were affected by COVID-19 and that includes either getting the virus or being abroad during COVID. So before we dive into that, we wanted to talk about our experience because we were in New York City in some of its last normal moments BC before corona. Being it was our last year together, me and Maya decided that we really wanted to take a trip to New York City because it's a place that we both love a lot and we had always wanted to go together. Yeah, so we were really excited about this trip. Our spring break was kind of early compared to other schools, kind of the end of February, early March. And on the way to the airport, we were listening to a podcast in the car together about coronavirus. And we were a little bit nervous because... Sarah, they did mention that New York City was going to be a hot spot, right? When we were on our way there. There definitely was a point that we were like, oh, it might be bad, but it'll probably be fine because we're in the very early stages of the virus. Yeah, so even though we didn't know much about what we were getting ourselves into and we weren't too worried about our trip, we still stocked up on hand sanitizer and wipes and things like that and they were actually starting to get out of stock in the store because I remember I had a tiny little bottle with me that you and me and our friend were using the entire trip. We really enjoyed a lot of things there. It was kind of our last hurrah before quarantine for months and months after so we are grateful that we got to do this trip. It was our last trip before COVID and everything so it was definitely one of my best memories of 2020. It was our last experience kind of in the world that we used to know, quote unquote. So during our time on that trip, we did some really awesome things. When we decided to go to New York, we really wanted to see a talk show host, whether it be a nighttime or a daytime host. And we discovered that you could go to those shows on an app. One Iota is the app. So we signed up for the Jimmy Fallon, me, Maya, and our friend Jordan. We tried all different types of night shows because it's kind of hard to get some of them. And we finally got the Jimmy Fallon show and we were so excited to go. And they tell you the guests that you have a couple days before so you can decide if you want to go or not. And we had Rachel Maddow who is an MSNBC news reporter, and we saw an artist that we both like, Joji. Yeah, so Rachel basically was discussing coronavirus the whole time. Rachel Maddow had said that by the end of the year, everyone was going to get coronavirus at one point. I still think about that to this day. When I think about being scared of leaving the house and stuff, I think back, Rachel said we're all going to get it. Rachel was really, I think the point we were like, oh my goodness, this is bigger than we thought because I think we knew it was big, but just hearing it from her and from just different perspectives, I think we started to kind of freak out. But one thing that stood out to me about the Jimmy Fallon show was there were people from all over the world in the audience. We had Ireland, we had Australia. And I also remember Jimmy Fallon kind of running around the audience and touching everyone's hands, which luckily touched his hand. He gives everyone a high five, and I didn't do it because I was thinking of coronavirus. See, I wasn't, but I'm glad you were. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to touch Jimmy Fallon. This is one last opportunity. 
But I don't think Jimmy Fallon himself would have done that if he had known where New York was already at. So true. That's so strange to think about. I remember you and Jordan were like, why didn't you touch Jimmy's hand? And I was just like, I don't know. I was scared. (laughs) And then we also went to one of the last Broadway shows before Broadway closed down. We saw Dear Evan Hansen. When we got back to Florida, there was a couple news reports about a lot of the Broadway actors getting the virus because, you know, they travel to the different shows. They interact with a lot of audience members. But when we went to the show, we were around everyone. Same thing with Jimmy Fallon. We weren't really concerned about the virus, but it was a really cool opportunity to get to see actually one of the last Broadway shows before they totally shut down. And as you know, it won't be back until next year. And then I remember we went to Russ and Daughters. Was that where we were? And a woman was talking to us. She was talking about how the first case came about in lower Manhattan area. It was a lawyer and he had gone to New York Law School, I think, and was around and had spread it down there. And he was the first quote unquote known case in New York City that they were really concerned about and that everyone knew about. So that's when I think people started to take more precautions when they knew someone actually had it and was walking around New York City, specifically in the area we were in. There was definitely a shift in the trip. In the beginning of our trip, it was early end of February, early March. No one was really talking about it that much but midway through that trip in mid or like the third day of March is when people started to notice when we were in New York City like Maya talked about there wasn't a lot of hand sanitizers left I think when we were riding around on the subways we were very precautious about touching anything which I will say we were early with that thought process because I don't think a lot of people in New York were concerned about riding on the subways in general and when we took the plane ride there and back, no one was really wearing masks other than us. We kind of left just before it hit its turning point. Yeah, we made it out right on time. So although we did escape the New York City epicenter, we returned back to Florida, which ended up being the new epicenter. And recently we had a record of 15,000 cases in a single day, which is pretty wild. So now let's hear from our guests who are going to talk about where they were when the pandemic began and how they have been affected by it. You're going to hear from our friend from UF who is interning in Paris, Sarah's high school exchange student from Northern Italy who studies in Scotland, someone who is traveling the world and doing her school semester on a ship when COVID hit, and one of the first people we heard had the virus and who also has many friends and family who have gotten COVID. Okay, everyone, we are introducing our very first guest today. We are very excited and pleased to have Caitlin from UF on the podcast. She was an intern in Paris, France in spring of 2020, and we have her on here today to give her perspective of what COVID was like in February and March there and the effects of COVID there and how she is feeling today here back in America. So Caitlin, if you could go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Caitlin. I just graduated from UF with Maya and Sarah. I actually interned my last semester at UF, which was a little different, but I majored in international relations, minored in business and French. And yeah, now I'm just on the job hunt, like a lot of other recent grads. You had a really interesting semester. You were abroad in France where you had been before, right? 
Right, I studied abroad two summers ago in Paris. And so do you want to just talk about how it was having to leave during COVID? Yeah, it was super, super sudden. Um, I would say the conversation of COVID started around February, like in the office, but it wasn't a big concern at the same time. Um, I remember during Milan Fashion Week, COVID was a very, very big news topic. I think that was at the end of February. And then it was Paris Fashion Week. And that, I think, is when things started to pick up or when I noticed it more. Um, We just had a huge tourist spike. And then once everyone left, I would say there was a lot more of a worry and more people were reacting. Everything happened fast in terms of the government mandates, I would say, which is what made leaving difficult because things were happening so fast in France. And then at the same time, um, the U.S. made the mandate of non-U.S. citizens can't enter um, America. So then flights then were getting canceled and I knew I could enter. But it's just the fact of getting to the airport and then getting a flight out that's not enormously expensive. But yeah, in France, it was so fast. Within 24 hours, you know, they shut down the entire city. So at first it was the schools. And then 24 hours later, it was all restaurants and businesses, non-essential businesses shut down. And then 24 hours later, the entire city shut down. And that's when I got out. Um, because you couldn't get an Uber or like a taxi to the airport. How are you feeling during all this? Super panicky just in finding a flight. I think I booked three flights in total and ended up canceling them when I found a better one or a sooner one. You know, and at this point, we weren't even wearing masks. Like I didn't have a mask. It wasn't that I was fearful of getting it. Probably should have been more so. I was just more fearful of getting home. Yeah, I remember talking to you, I think, in February when things started to get bad at one point. So what was your reaction to the shutdown completely? Because I feel like you kind of were like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's not going to be bad. And then it like kind of spiraled out of control. No, exactly. Like I was at dinner with a friend and we kind of knew that'd be our last dinner out in Paris. And we found out at dinner, it was like eight, everyone got a text, um, like from the government saying by midnight tonight, all businesses will be shut down. So it was like we had everyone only had four hour notice and the states, I feel like there would be maybe a 12 to 24 hour notice for managers and employees and everything. Entire restaurant was packed and then everyone looked at their phone and they were like, what? I remember our server was crying like after everyone got the text and I was like, all of these employees, like they kind of just got laid off by one text message. People weren't super um, keen on taking the precautions. And I think that's why the government um, acted so swiftly in making mandates rather than just advising. So how was it then when you got back to the U.S.? Yeah, it was super weird just because I kind of got back. Here, it was so relaxed, you know. Um, All the restaurants were open, just driving home from the Orlando airport, like so many cars on the road, and even my family literally going about their day, which is fine. You know, it it did hit us at a different time than it hit Europe. This was March 17th I got back, Um, but I remember like 
almost arguing with my parents. I had this viewpoint of how bad it was, how bad it's going to be, seeing how things are going to get shut down. And I totally understand. Like, I think you don't know what it's going to be like until you hear the government mandate and you realize we actually will have to stay at home. It was very anxiety provoking, honestly, just knowing what was to come. I remember when Sarah and I were going to New York for our spring break trip on our way to the airport we were listening to a podcast that was kind of talking about how this was going to pan out and it was saying that the U.S. was probably going to have a very hard time just because people have that mentality where the government can't tell me what to do freedom of speech compared to like I guess other countries. Yeah it is interesting though you know the mandate was very final like we're our you know having to stay at home order we wouldn't get arrested or we wouldn't get a ticket if we left the house you know but there right when it happened you had to have a slip of paper kind of like a hall pass if you left your house so it's interesting if we had something like that you know which of course is harder to enact i would say on such a large country but i am curious if people would have stayed at home more if we had um a system like that you talk a lot about how you know, you didn't have like that closure in college. Do you think that'll affect you down the line just because, you know, you did study abroad and expect to see all your friends again and then now it's just like over for you? As depressing as that is. So lots of emotions at one time. Back in the States, a little bit of culture shock, quarantine in my room for 14 days, um, and then knowing I'm not going back to school. But I know so many other people, you know, were feeling the same way. Have you reconnected with your friends and coworkers who you were with in France? Yeah, I've reached out with my coworkers. They were saying how eerie it is, you know, and Paris is such a bustling city. It hasn't been this empty for so, so long. And I know the Eiffel Tower just opened up. When travel is normal again, is Paris the first place you're going or...? Honestly, yeah, like my family was supposed to come up at the end of my internship and we, you know, they had to cancel their trip. Oh man. Thank you so much though for sharing your story and we wish you luck with your job search and everything. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Paris Caitlin. I'm so excited to announce our next guest. She's very special to me. She was my exchange student back in my senior year of high school in 2015. Her name is Lucrezia or Lou and she is from Sirmione, Italy. And we have her on today to describe the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic in Northern Italy where her family lives, as well as she is a college student in Scotland. So we're also gonna hear about how Scotland handled the pandemic early on, and how Scotland and Italy are today. We're excited for this one. Okay, everyone, we are back again. Lou, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Lou, and I'm from Italy, but I study right now in Scotland, and I am majoring in environmental geography. Thanks for coming on, Lou. We're so happy to have you. I guess, take us back to February in northern Italy, where your family is from. Could you talk about when you first heard about coronavirus? Okay, um, so I first heard about it in December, I think, when it was first identified in China. Um, but the first time I heard about it in Italy was the end of February. And that was back when they started putting... Uh, towns in northern Italy in lockdown, specific towns. And the week after was when 
the whole of northern Italy was put in lockdown. So my family was also put in lockdown. <laughs> and at the time, obviously, I was in Scotland and I felt really bad for my family, obviously. And nobody really knew uh, what the virus was at that point. So everybody was freaking out. So your sister was still in Milan, right? Yes. Was Milan as bad as like some of the more rural areas, the northern Italy provinces? Uh, Milan was definitely doing worse, obviously, because a lot of people live in Milan. And actually, my sister did get sick the first week of lockdown. She got hospitalized because she suddenly developed pneumonia out of nowhere. And obviously, uh, she got very worried. Um, she actually did get tested. At the time, testing wasn't very good as it is now. It wasn't as efficient. So she got a negative result. But she and my family were pretty sure she got a false negative because she never had lung problems before in her life. So she was at the hospital for two weeks, but um, she does think that she got the virus. Uh, but I do know many people who had people in their family pass away because of the virus. Really? In Scotland or Italy? Uh, in Italy, yeah, yeah. I don't know anyone in Scotland that got it. What was everyone's reaction really like when this started to get really bad and the hospitals were at full capacity because i think here in america we were like just shocked by italy in general italy's reaction was basically from what i saw obviously from the outside from one day to another everything was just like uh changed when lockdown started right away everything was just shut down People couldn't leave their house or the town they lived in. Uh, and it was very heavily uh, policed. So there were like military and stuff was going around everywhere. So you actually could not leave the house unless it was for uh, grocery shop and stuff like that. People at the start were very opposed to what was going on because that was back when oh, it, it's just the flu, like that was still the mentality of everyone. So nobody really understood the situation right away. Everyone was just very confused. Hospitals did get overcrowded like the second week. And basically, I'm sure everybody knows, they started prioritizing younger people or non-immunocompromised people over cases that were more likely to die basically so people got sent away from the hospital because they were so overcrowded they couldn't take care of everyone so tourism is a big part of italy's economy in general can you talk a little bit about the lack of tourism specifically right now okay tourism is definitely a big part of the economy in italy definitely people can already tell that it's been hit very hard as a sector of the economy. Um, I can speak from where I live in Sirmione, which heavily relies on tourism, especially during summer. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that a lot of businesses which are owned by like small families are not reopening right now because they went bankrupt. Everyone is struggling. Everybody is feeling the impact of this on the economy. And it's definitely going to have long term uh, effects on a lot of people and my family too. <laughs>
uh, we're struggling a bit right now. Was the government supporting small businesses or businesses at all when it first started to get bad? The government um, issued like a, it was 600 euros that were supposed to be granted for everybody who was out of a job, from what I understand. But a lot of people, well, first of all, 600 euros is not a lot of money. Uh, most people can't even pay rent with 600 euros. A lot of people did not receive the money. For example, my brother never got um, his 600 euros monthly, whatever. Uh, my parents did and my sister didn't. So it was very not well organized. A lot of people struggled and the government did not do a very good job of taking care of people that could not work. And so you attend university in Scotland. How is Scotland's response to the virus? And also, how has it been in Scotland as an international student? Like, was your time extended? or As, as an international student in Scotland, um, well, first of all, I get free education, so I don't have to worry about that. And I have a four-year visa. So right now, I'm okay being here. I don't have any issues with staying here over the summer or anything. The response to COVID, I think Scotland did a relatively good job <laughs> uh, considering the, obviously the fact that nobody really has gone through this before in a very long time. Um, we've been on lockdown since the end of March till like the end of May and we're still easing the restrictions at the moment. Scotland being very low populated there has been less cases so it's definitely from my experience a more chilled out version of the italian lockdown <laughs> i just want to say scotland is one of my favorite countries i've visited i love scotland so the fact that you get free education i wish that was me but what's the general attitude towards coronavirus like in scotland specifically right at the second I think my uh, perception of it is different from the normal, regular Scottish person. And I, th I think it's because I saw Italy being hit so hard and so fast, like two weeks before it started going bad here. So at that point, I was already paranoid. <laughs> I've, I was wearing a mask from the start. And I've seen that most people here aren't wearing masks. Um, because it's not uh, mandatory. Actually, they made it uh, mandatory to wear masks inside right now, but on the outside, like if you're walking out, no one is wearing a mask and no one really is that worried about it. But people do respect uh, social distancing and stuff like that, so that's been pretty good. Me, personally, I'm very much more paranoid than the average person here. <laughs> Are you able to visit Italy this summer if you wanted to see your family? If I did go back, I would have to quarantine for two weeks. And then I would have to quarantine two weeks when I come back. So that would be a month of quarantine. So we have decided that I'm just going to stay here this summer. Have they announced your reopening plan for your school in the fall? Uh, yes. My university, and I think all universities in Scotland and the UK are gonna start back as normal. So my university is gonna open back in September. 
and but they're they're gonna be safety measures put into place, and it's going to be a blended model. So teaching is gonna be partly online and partly on campus in smaller groups, but we still don't really know any details about how they're gonna do that. What are Europeans? reactions as to how America is treating the pandemic right now. Okay, in Europe, America is obviously very much like seen as, oh, the most like powerful, influential country at the top of the world, whatever. So it's very weird to see them struggle with this virus and the situation getting so much worse again, while here in Europe, we're starting to see like a complete like switch of the situation it's so much better here and now everyone is figuring out what to do with it how to deal with it how to basically lower the cases and everything and on the other side we see america being just a mess (laughs) it's so weird you described a lot of the technical type of things but how are you feeling right now actually i i told sarah yesterday that going like thinking about everything that happened the past four months I literally had to like traumatize myself all over again because when it happens I mean you do understand that you're not in a great mental state but even after like just a couple months I can tell that I'm doing a little bit better at this point I think everybody just kind of got used to the situation a bit more this whole covid uh pandemic had a toll on my and probably everyone else's mental <laughs> health. Um, definitely a weird, weird time to be alive. <laughs> what have you been able to do this summer? Right now, we're not really, there's not really much to do at the moment uh, because a lot of obviously shops and like places are still not open. So at the moment, I've just been taking a lot of walks in nature and stuff like that. So not much. Last summer, when I was studying abroad in Ireland, Lou and I traveled to Italy, Germany, Switzerland. So it's very different to a year ago. We were traveling all over the place with no care in the world. And now we can't do anything. It's just so much like it's just a huge change, you know. Aren't you glad you got that done with? I guess that's true. But yeah, it's very surreal to think back to like last summer compared to this summer. Uh, It's honestly, no one was expecting this. (laughs) In our first episode of the podcast, we kind of talked about how COVID has affected things that we want to do and what we were studying. So you said you're studying like environmental studies right so has have you thought anything about how this is going to affect your future your career anything special you want to go into now or honestly (laughs) um I'm just a bit worried about uh next year being my senior year and with all of this stuff going on I don't know how it's gonna affect me because I was supposed to start an internship actually and the program got cancelled when all of this stuff happened. That's been a not-so-pleasant surprise. <laughs> and right now, I don't really know what I'm going to do <laughs> at the moment. I think, honestly, the general idea is that everyone is trying to go back to normal life. But 
I'm realizing that most definitely that is not going to happen right away because it's just not realistic. <laughs> so I think a lot of people are still a bit in denial about that um, part of the this whole situation. That's interesting that you guys are already kind of thinking about normal life. Like you're at the point where it could potentially be good again. But here we're just like, there's no way in chance like we're going back to normal anytime soon. Yeah, we're like back at phase one, if anything. We hit the um, record number of cases in Florida, the most cases like the United States has ever seen before. So we are not in a good headspace at the moment. Wait, I just read that they were going to reopen Disneyland. Is that true? Yeah, they have opened Disney World. I don't know why. Lou went to Disney World, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, Disney World. Now, it's really great to finally talk to you. Sarah's talked about you a lot uh, ever since I've known her. <laughs> you too, actually. I think that Sarah, when I met you, was like the day Lou was leaving. Oh, yeah. Remember, I went to UF for that preview thing, and you were, like, getting on the plane to leave America? That's when I met Maya that day, who became my roommate. So I was, like, sad because you had left, so she probably heard about that. I don't know. Who knew it would come to this point four years later? I don't think anyone saw this <laughs> happening. Honestly, <laughs> to anyone from the U.S. listening... Just just wear a mask. It's that easy. Thank you, Lou. Thanks, Lou. We appreciate you. Our next guest has a super unique abroad experience. She was doing semester at sea and traveling all over the world in 2020 until coronavirus hit. So thanks for coming on, Danique. We're curious to learn about your experience. If you could just introduce yourself a little bit and tell us about what semester at sea is. Yeah, thanks for having me. I go to UF. I decided to do a semester at sea because I really love traveling. I've traveled my whole life. I was um, born abroad and I've lived abroad a bunch. So I was born in Holland. Uh, that's where I'm from. I'm half Dutch. And then um, my family moved to Connecticut after about a year of me living in um, Holland and Hong Kong from there and lived in Hong Kong for four years. Um, and then after Hong Kong, decided to move to Florida. Semester at Sea just gives you the opportunity to travel to 12 different countries while taking classes, or supposedly 12 different countries. The ones that I ended up getting to go to, um, we left from New Mexico. It was just a short bus ride from California. We went to Hawaii for a day, uh, and then we got to go to Japan, Vietnam, Mauritius, and South Africa. Um, I, I, we got about a week in Japan, um, two weeks in Vietnam because of... Everything going on, a lot of the places were extended. Mauritius was only supposed to be one day, turned into a week. Uh, and then we actually ended in South Africa. So we got to stay there for as long as, you know, we wanted or our parents allowed us to. How long were you preparing for this trip? A long time. Um, my sister did it in 2016, I believe. So um, and for about three years, I was really, really excited about doing it before I when I was still in high school, before I could even, you know, apply or think about applying. I was already dreaming about it and waiting for the day to come. So Danique and I are in the same sorority and everyone was like so excited for her to go just because like not a lot of people do semester at sea. It's kind of like a unique experience. So let's transition into like the COVID chat. Let's talk about your timeline. When did things start to go bad? on your trip? Yeah, so um, Japan was the first port 
and uh, that was, we left Japan end of January, and the next port we were supposed to go to is China, and that was, you know, COVID had already kind of broken out in China, and so that was already kind of on our radar um, as being something we were a little, everyone was a little hesitant about, and pretty quickly after leaving Japan, they made it clear to us that we weren't going to be going to China, we were going to be skipping it, um, and that we were going to be skipping Malaysia as well, Um, and honestly, you know, we we never really knew what was going on. The faculty tried keeping things really under wraps until they had an ultimate decision. So I'm sure before semester it's even started, they were already, you know, knowing Corona had come out, knowing that we might not be going to China, but they would tell us like the day that they, you know, for sure knew anything happened, which became kind of an issue later on in the voyage, not really knowing. Um, but yeah, we, you know, it was it was breaking out, so we got Malaysia and China cut, um, and we thought that was going to, in the beginning, we thought that was going to be the only itinerary change, uh, and that was definitely not the case, um, but our next stop was Vietnam, and so because of not going, like, trying to compensate for not going to China and Mauritius, we ended up going to Vietnam for two weeks instead of one, um, and then India got canceled after that, and so on and so forth with a bunch of the other countries. When you were in Japan, did you notice any problems or did things seem pretty much normal? Um, so in Japan, everyone already always wears masks pretty much. And so it was a little, it was a culture shock for that already, um, seeing everyone wearing masks at all times. And it was, we, it was made known to us that they were going to do that. And so we kind of weren't, you know, looking at it as if it was the, that they were all wearing it because of Corona, um, now looking back, it obviously was one of the reasons. And, you know, we'd ha- we had heard that from locals there that we'd talked to. They were like, you know, there's an extra reason why we're wearing them now. What were the countries that you missed exactly on the program? So we didn't go to China and Malaysia in the beginning. And then India got canceled. And then Ghana Morocco, and then I believe it was just Amsterdam. Semester at Sea was supposed to end in Amsterdam, where my dad lives, so it was really convenient for me, Um, but from South Africa, I just flew to Amsterdam, and I was really worried that that flight was going to get canceled. Luckily, it didn't. Um, There were some people on Semester at Sea that ended up leaving, like, before we even got to South Africa that flew home from Vietnam or Mauritius because their parents were just, they wouldn't let them go on. I think you had a really unique perspective because I'm sure in like January, February, because you were in Japan and Vietnam, you noticed things started to get really bad fast. Um, So did you like warn any of your friends back in America like this is what's going on? Like it's going to come to America? Like did you have any idea about that? Ironically, I was the one being warned by other people. Like we were on the ship sailing for, you know, sometimes two weeks at a time without any, you know, we were given seven minutes of Wi-Fi a day. And as you can imagine, the Wi-Fi in the middle of the ocean isn't very good. And so the days that we would remember to use the seven minutes of Wi-Fi, because very rarely did we, because even when we went on it, you could barely load an Instagram picture or a text message. You could send a text, but you wouldn't have, there would not be long enough time for you to get the text back. Um, so the first, honestly, that I remember us really hearing about how bad it was, was getting back home because, you know, we knew it was getting bad in China. 
um, as far as we knew as that we were being told it wasn't getting bad where we were going. So we weren't too concerned about it. And we didn't really know, honestly, that it was getting that bad in America. But the first thing that happened, which is really funny, is that someone, someone's parent or someone was able to get through to them and sent them an article about Semester at Sea. And it was like, study abroad, cruise ships, stuck at sea, students freaking out. And all of us were like, <laughs> wait, what? One, we're stuck at sea? Like, we had no idea. Like, two, who's freaking out? Like... But yeah, we really never knew the extent of it until I think we got to South Africa um, and were able to have Wi-Fi and really look it up for ourselves. Do you think that this event brought you closer to people in your program? That's a hard question because obviously if it hadn't happened, I would have gotten to spend over a month more with them. And that's one of the things that we were all really disappointed about because of course we wanted to see the countries and stuff. But you make, you know, you make best friends and lifelong friends that you never you know, after the fact, I can't imagine my life without them. And I'm so upset that I didn't get that extra month and a half with them, whatever it might have been, because we were going to travel together even after the program was over. Um, but I definitely did, obviously, you know, build strength in us and for each other. And we were strong for each other and tried keeping each other happy. And everyone was, you know, had their own time to cry and be upset and be mad. And everyone dealt with their feelings differently. But we did really come together as a shipboard community and everyone was really there for each other. Obviously, like I, I've said this to a lot of people, it wasn't at all the program or the experience that I had dreamed of, but it was everything that I could have asked for. Like it was, it was still incredible regardless. Yeah, Sarah and I are seniors, so our end of college got cut short and we didn't have graduation and everything, but like this seems way worse to me, honestly. I mean, yeah. I would hate to ever agree with that or compare the situations because I, you know, I'm about to find out what it's going to be like having my senior year kind of messed up a little bit. But I think it was also really frustrating because the program was not cheap by any means. And I worked my butt off for three years saving up for it. My birthdays and Christmases and everything, kind of that money went towards it. And then our refund was pretty much saying that we could get a portion off of another voyage which there's just no way I'll be able to go on another one because that's that much more money that I you know don't have anymore and so it's upsetting because you know you paid I paid to go to those countries and didn't get to go to them and that's what I really want to be able to do and now even though I didn't I still can't so that's a little upsetting but it is what it is. That's so heartbreaking. I'm really upset for you because I remember seeing all your cool Instagram pics and I actually thought oh my goodness, I feel so bad for Janique right now when it all started to go down. But I'm glad that you're back safe and sound back in Florida, right? The safest place you could be. We are so thankful to have you on, Janique, sharing your experiences. Um, you've had probably the most special experiences that we've heard thus far um, during coronavirus. So we are so thankful to have you on today to share that with us. Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really haven't been able to describe that experience to anyone. So I'm really glad to have gotten being given the chance. It'll be out there for everyone. If anyone ever asks you how it went, just like forward them this episode. Exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> Our last guest is my coworker from Gainesville and TikTok star who came down with the virus in March. Courtney was the first person I know who had it, and she's here to talk about her experience with the virus and how she sees COVID-19 today. So thanks for being here today, Courtney. 
Hi, I'm Courtney. I'm a 22-year-old uh, fourth-year microbiology major from UF. And yeah, I got COVID before anyone else did. Let's talk a little bit about your spring break and coming back to Gainesville and how events started to unfold for you. So on spring break, I went on a cruise to the Bahamas for five days, which we had to like sign like an affidavit saying like we knew that Corona was going on, but we weren't really worried about it because it was very early on. I got back from the cruise on March 6th. And then the 23rd is when I was like, yeah, I have a fever and I haven't had a fever since I was 17 and like had appendicitis. Like this, this isn't normal. So I don't think I got it from the cruise. Where do you think that you got it? I went out in Gainesville. The clubs were kicking. Like there were so many people. Like I just thought it was just something that we could still do, unfortunately. What was your process like getting the test? Since I had been out of the country within the past 30 days, I was allowed to go get a test. But, like, if I w- weren't to have gone out of the country, like, I don't think it would have been as easy for me. And I made an appointment and was there, like, within an hour. And it was a drive through facility, and I really didn't have to wait. It wasn't packed or anything like that because, again, we had, like, no cases in the county at that time. But also, the test took 12 days to come back. I wasn't the first one, but I remember watching on the news after I got my test results, and there were 140 cases after I got my test results. I was like, wow, I'm one of the 140 people. So did your family get the virus too? My mom. I gave it to my mom. I felt bad for bringing it back. But I also, like, I once I came home, like, I was home. Like, I didn't go anywhere. That's when they were like, stay home, don't do anything. So, like, the only people I really affected were my family, who were also staying home. When you started to get really sick, do you mind describing what some of your symptoms were like during that time and how long they lasted? All of a sudden, I like woke up with a fever and I was exhausted and I was like taking like three naps a day, which I'm hyperactive. So that made no sense. Those were my main symptoms were fever and um, tiredness. But around the third day after like of fever, I did have shortness of breath whenever I was trying to do something. Like I was putting away my laundry in my room and I felt winded, which I thought was very strange. And the biggest thing that happened was I lost my taste and my smell, which... I, like, would take my shampoo, and I couldn't even smell my shampoo. Like, my mom brought me, like, coffee. Because I was, at this point, I was quarantining in my room. So she'd, like, drop it off outside the door. And I drank the coffee, and I really just thought it was bad coffee. Cause, but it really, it tasted like water to me. Like, and after the fact, I realized, oh, that's because I had coronavirus. And then you made a TikTok about getting it, right? Which went viral. Well, okay, the original thing wasn't to make a TikTok. I was just, like, Snapchatting that I had gotten a positive test result 12 days later. But I was, like, studying, and I got a call from the doctor. It was on a Saturday, which was strange. And I knew, like, I automatically knew they were going to tell me I'm positive. But the whole time, I, like, my mom was like, you don't have it, you don't have it. And so she's out in the garage doing something. And I was like, oh, I got a videotape me telling her. And so I kind of was really excited that I was right. Not so much excited that I had it. So I like ran out screaming to my mom that I had it. And like she was like telling me to be quiet because the neighbors could hear. So she was the funny part of the video. But I was also like laughing, which caused a lot of backlash with the TikTok community. Um, Because I was laughing about coronavirus, which is very serious, of course. Is the video still up? Is the video? Oh, yeah. And how many likes did it get? Um, I think it's around, like, approximately 130,000 likes, and it's over 1.2 million views. Were you deleting any of the hate comments? Or- okay, I got more, like, 
a sticking up for me comments, but there were quite a few hate comments. But like I, you know, I clapped back and I was like, I've been doing the right thing. Like I haven't been going out. At, at the time of the video, I was cleared by the doctor. Like the doctor told me on the phone, like, oh, well at this point you're five days symptom free. So you're okay to like reintegrate um, in the public. So like I wasn't, and I was still in my house. So it wasn't anything... I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. So do you think it got so many likes and views because it was so early on when a lot of people didn't have it? Yeah, I think that's what happened. But the weird part about it is like the TikTok didn't blow up in the like beginning. It blew up a few weeks later. But I feel like anything that had to do with the coronavirus blew up on TikTok. So now that you're back working at the grocery store, are you afraid of getting it again or side effects in the future? I feel less afraid of it now. Um, I'm still very careful, of course, and still like washing my hands, wearing a mask, doing all the proper things. Um, The main thing is I'm worried about getting it like in the next season based on like all the articles that I'm reading. It seems like I have like short-term immunity, like four-ish months. Um, I don't know if that's true, of course. But so it's been nice like working though because I'm not afraid of catching it. And even if I did catch it again, I don't think that I would have a detrimental response to it. Um, But again, still being careful, but definitely not fearful of it for myself, for other people, of course, but not for myself. Now that we've had like months of COVID as a whole and you got it super early on, why do you believe people should take this seriously, especially right now with what's going on in Florida? I think people should take it seriously because of the unknown effects of the virus, like and how it disproportionately affects populations. So if like, see, I was fine, but like that doesn't mean like, my disabled cousin is going to be fine. It doesn't mean that my um, uncle who's on dialysis is going to be fine. Like, I think it should be taken seriously because we have other people to account for um, and to think about during this time. And really, if we look at it, it's like a short season of our life. And like, it sucks if we're young and we're going to be fine if we get it. It's just going to be like getting the flu. But really, there's so many more people that it's affecting. And even young people, it's affecting and harming more than initially thought. So... I don't know. I think that wearing a mask isn't that hard to do and like staying at home isn't that hard to do. Are your friends still going out during this time? During like this time there were people going I mean they're shut down now the bars, but I did have a few friends that were going to bars still not often, but they would go and they were outdoor bars. But one of my friends did get COVID from going. Luckily though, those shut down, so that's not something that I'm really worried about anymore. After you got it were you telling your friends like you should be more concerned I think that it became more real after I got it especially to some like to my friends who didn't get it I did have friend like my friend group got it most of my friend group did get it um but the friends who didn't get it were like wow like it can like this actually is happening it just brought it more to earth than like seeing on the news that people were getting it um that someone they knew had gotten it Yeah, Sarah and I were talking about that because we have a lot of friends who don't know anyone personally who's gotten it, so they still are not worried about it and still going out and doing things. So, yeah, that's interesting that you and a lot of people you know have gotten it. That's crazy. What are your thoughts about going back to school in the fall? I don't personally think college kids or um, like grade school kids should be going back to school. I think that it's putting too many people at risk, um, especially for, like, professors and teachers. Like, it's not really giving them a choice. Like, like a parent can, like, hold their kid back from going to school, like, for the grade school. And then most college kids can, like, 
do their stuff online if they need to. But I just think that it's it's going to be too much too soon. And especially for UF, like people coming from all over the place. And we know like college kids already are, have historically not been listening to the guidelines, the rules, all that stuff. Like I think people are still going to gather at houses or apartments and party instead of doing it at the bars. And I think it's going to spread like wildfire again. And as soon as that happens, it's going to shut down. So I'm worried about the developmental issues that that could cause. However, I think that as long as say we have six months or a year of this like it's not going to cause that big of an impact for kids to be doing virtual learning thank you so much for sharing your insight it was really interesting and we're really glad you're feeling better thank you thank you guys for having me and letting me share my experience yeah i hope you don't get any more tiktok hate are you still making videos oh yeah i'm always creating content less hate now We are so thankful today that all of these ladies are safe and we want to encourage you guys to continue to stay inside when you can, wear a mask, social distance, stay healthy so we can beat this thing together. If you enjoyed today's episode, please go subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a rating. We'll see you guys next time.